we're back and we're national champions. No other podcast can claim that except for this one. Uh, welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. That is the UConn fight song leading you and I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Mike, UConn, national champions. Hollywood East, national champions. I, 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 it's a rare moment where we're both in a good mood. Yes. And I... <laughs> I tried to take your temperature earlier, and you and you tried to turn turn into yeah. a curmudgeon again. You're trying, you're trying hard, <laughs> and you you won a ton of money. You mm-hmm. you watched highlights late into the evening because you were so smitten. True. You're in deep smit. You watched Very some happy. movies over the weekend. I did, but you were mad at WrestleMania, and uh, mad at Vince McMahon for being Vince McMahon. Yeah. But that was enough for for you. You're trying. You're trying to go back to the dark side. You're like Anakin. You know, in in the middle of uh, the Clone War, what the Attack of the Clones? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I keep telling you, I don't know. Like, married with children resonates with me for a reason. <laughs> I, I get it now. I get it all. But uh, yeah, we got another year in preview episode here. Universal Focus features Neon Magnolia. Uh, what this else? Is episode we got? four of fifteen now that we're yeah. planning on doing. Yeah, slowly it, building this out. <laughs> it's well, we had no choice. There's just so many movies coming out, and of course, we cannot like line up the movies that we watch in the weekend before to match up with the studios for whatever mm-hmm. reason. But we also nope. watched a couple new movies. Yeah, uh, we'll start with those with uh, some reviews of stuff that we've actually previewed and talked about already from separate studios. I actually think that kind of works out. Like we talked about these movies already. And now okay. you're going to give a couple quickie reviews. And the first one of those is Rye Lane. I'm hoping to get to that one tonight. You got to it uh, on Hulu over the weekend. Yeah, it's a rom-com in the truest sense of the word. It's funny. It's romantic. It's on Hulu. It's only 82 minutes. And I just love give it an Oscar. The- I love the modern comedic sense of these well-adjusted young people writing stories that are good for the soul. They're good for our collective mental health. I feel like these characters are actually learning wholesome, true lessons about romance and and positive mental attitudes. I just, I love this movie. I, Rye Lane is like a before sunset plot line where it's two people essentially walking around a city. It's not like through the night, like before sunset, mm-hmm. uh, of course, but it's it's people genuinely connecting for all the right reasons and helping each other get past their issues. So B plus all day, 88, easy, enjoyable. You really? like this film year so far. You you got a lot of B pluses in your holster right now. I'm having fun, man. I, if a if a movie earns a B plus, it's a B plus. I get, I gotta love it. So that was Ride Lane, and then Tetris. I probably gave it a lower grade than I than how I feel about it because I did enjoy the watch somewhat, but. There's so many obvious problems with the movie. Yeah, first of all, uh, being that none of this happened. (laughs) (laughs) It seems very far-fetched, let's just say. Uh, It's Taron Edgerton on a charm offensive there on Apple TV+. So that's worth the price of admission to watch Tetris. I also played Tetris for an hour after watching <laughs> nice. the James Good. Bond story of Tetris, but it's a fun I'm one. a spy too now. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I watched, I played Tetris like online. I just want to like play Tetris online. And then I played. They probably stole my identity, but I don't care. <laughs> Russia's got everything they need about you now. <laughs> oh, now they do. If they didn't have not before, but I'm, I haven't been on TikTok. So they got, they got everybody mm-hmm. else. And now they got me. Yeah. Uh, but you got you and China can have me from TikTok. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, you watched Murder Mystery 2. 
I liked I, I thought it was better than the first one, actually. I don't know what that means necessarily, depending on how you feel about Murder Mystery 1. Good. But I thought Murder Mystery 2. I mean, look, this is not the last time I'm going to bring up Adam Sandler in this episode either. Mm-hmm. But it was a fun, quick watch. I mean, I gave it, I think, an 81B minus. The, the, the mystery, I don't know that it's that mysterious i kind of figured it out pretty early and there's like if you're a, a veteran of these types of like whodunits there's i think the way in which they handle the character that ends up doing it is pretty obvious uh but nonetheless i mean it's it's just a fun watch it's a fun story and i had some like legitimate laugh out loud moments along the way which i don't know what more you could ask for for that type of movie so yeah i enjoyed myself with it good good and and now i understand the whole adam sandler stuff yes. I got to go through yeah. later in this episode. I don't, I, I'm shocked you don't agree with me with that. I read your copy. Yeah, but you touched a nerve. Uh, anyway, we'll get there. We've, we've teased the episode. Now. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. This is episode four of our year in preview series. Uh, if you go back, we had episode one having to deal with uh, a 24. Thank you. I can't can't think can't not keep up with this. I don't remember either, but it was a 24 yeah. was in there. And, yeah, and Disney was right? in there. Disney was in there. Sony was in there. I think last episode, which was episode three. <laughs> You're jumping we, around now. We had. Episode, I can't keep this straight. <laughs> episode two was. What the hell did we do? Oh, That's what I'm epi- saying. Where are the studios listed? Amazon. I'm sorry. Amazon. Apple was episode two. Episode there three was Sony and WB essentially, and now episode four, Universal Focus Features along with them, uh, Neon, Magnolia, Bleakard, and The Unacquired, as we'll talk. Shouldn't have done that impromptu recap when I wasn't prepared for it. That's on me. <laughs> uh, Universal is where we can start, Michael. Yeah, a lot of product already from Universal this year. Megan or Megan? I don't, I don't know the or, or M. Thregan. I don't know mm-hmm. the correct pronunciation, but huge hit at the box office already. One hundred seventy-six million on a twelve million dollar budget. That sequel is already in the middle of its production, I believe. Yep. So that makes sense. Knock at the Cabin, fifty-four million on a twenty million dollar budget. It's now on Peacock and Cocaine Bear, eighty-two million made at the box office on a thirty-five million dollar budget. Michael, uh, you're halfway into knock at the cabin yeah batista's really i mean he's doing his best with it with that character i don't think he's failing by any means right i I liked it i liked it well enough it gave me the goods i was looking for so hopefully you you have a fun finish on that how about the super mario brothers movie where the film twitter reactions were crazy high and then some of our friends curmudgeons let's just say they're they're also <laughs> curmudgeons that's why they're friends with us they called it like a little kids movie essentially no i some of the people we trust on film tr- twitter eric matt they've talked about how it's kind of slanted towards little kids but obviously the trailer reactions the film twitter reactions at large very positive for the super Bar- mario brothers movie that comes out this weekend yeah uh, it should be slanted towards little kids though shouldn't it like, those are the ones that are going to ask their parents to buy the toys. And the games. or Right. So I, I think that makes that's kind of my expectation going in anyway. But, yeah, Chris Pratt, obviously the controversial voice of Mario. Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black in this. Um, all right, let's 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 talk about benchmarks and what this thing's going to do box office-wise. Sonic 2 did $405 million worldwide for its box office. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 did $863 million worldwide as of the last Chris Pratt movie, a big a big studio Chris Pratt movie, I should say. The last Thor movie, just as a big uh, MCU movie, did $760 million worldwide. And the last MCU movie did $472 million worldwide. I bring all those up to ask this. 
What do you think is going to make more as a, the next big Chris Pratt movie, Mario or The Last Guardians of the Gal- Galaxy coming up in May? I still think The Last Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that'll really? be. I think that'll be up around a billion. But and you uh, don't think Mario will be? It might be. It might be. I, I I would be a little surprised if it's that high. I'm guessing it's probably more like, I mean, uh, above five hundred million ish. That would be. I would big. think that's got to be the floor, right? I would hope so. I'm rooting for the Worldwide? Super Mario Brothers to make a. It's got to do more than Sonic. Yeah, maybe just in video game hierarchy lore. They can't. Nintendo won't be satisfied if Sonic outdoes Mario. I uh, I could see it. I could totally yeah. see it. And I just relearned that history watching the Tetris movie. I go. I think this is going to have crossover appeal. Like, who's not going to see this movie? Parents, kids, the, yeah, people are going to flock to the theaters. The question is, like, how many people are aware that it's hitting this weekend? You know, a Marvel movie tends to to bring that immediacy more more often than not. That is true. Know. Like, that my, true. I was talking to my brother and his friends you know, watching a UConn game, and they're like, oh, that's coming out this week. So they weren't aware of it, so maybe that's an issue. I don't know. Do you have any juice for The Last Guardians right now? Oh, I do. I do. I'm a big fan of that series. It's probably one of my favorite series in the MCU. I'm just kind of bummed like the rest of the world that the MCU has been struggling so much. Yeah. But, all right, we'll talk about Renfield next. That's coming out April 14th. Nicolas Cage is Dracula. Nicholas Holt is Renfield. You've seen the trailer, Michael. Yeah, it's, it's, I thought this was stupid at first glance, but it's, it's growing on me like fangs do, which is... Okay. That's not, it's not how fangs work. <laughs> I just watched the rest of what we do in the shadows. Yes. Uh, the season three anyway, not season four. And it, and it was a great finish to that season, so I'm going to start up season four soon. Here's what I want to say to you, though. What mm-hmm. We Do in the Shadows, also a vampire show. Yep. Number one, Renfield's got to do a better job of making it funny than, mm-hmm. than that show. It's going to be hard to do. But also, everybody on your WrestleMania poster looks like they <laughs> are in the cast of What We Do in the Shadows. Like, I swear, <laughs> Maybe. Nandor is the Intercontinental Champion now. <laughs> Did well, you know he'd have, he'd have to go through Gunther. I don't know if he's up for it. Okay, uh, we have Fast 10, Fast X, uh, on May 19th. This, of course, is a best picture frontrunner, Michael. Yes, I'm nodding solemnly. Of course it is. <laughs> Very good. We have Strays on June 9th. This was a trailer that you touted and uh, sung the praises of. It's about so a bunch funny. of dogs with famous voices out for revenge against Will Forte, <laughs> Sofia Vergara, Harvey Guillen of What We Do in the Shadows, Josh Gad uh, is in the movie, The and then oh, I'm sorry, they're all in the movie, and then Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, uh, Isla Fisher, and Randall Park are the voices. How do you think this was pitched? <laughs> <laughs> Homeward I, Bound, where they, they're going to bite the owner's dick off? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope so. I really do. Because that trailer was funny. I mean, you, you've been giggling about it. Hilarious. For yeah. Uh, we have Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, on June 30th, animated from Universal. A shy adolescent learns that she comes from a fabled royal family of legendary sea krakens and that her destiny lies in the depths of the waters, which is bigger than she could have ever imagined. This is starring the voices of Tony Collette, Jane Fonda, Annie Murphy, Nicole Byer, Will Forte again, Sam Richardson, and Coleman Domingo Michael. 
Coleman Domingo going to be busy this year, it seems like. And, yeah, Universal making a couple plays for the animated feature category, maybe. Oppenheimer, of course, comes July 21st. Christopher Nolan, you guys all know all of the white people in the cast by now. <laughs> uh, silly and, and the male leads, by the way, since it's a Nolan movie. Right. This story of American scientist J. Robert Oppenheimer and his role in the development of the atomic bomb. So the trailer for this, I don't know about you, but it was a lot of Terrence Malickish imagery and cinematography for, for me anyway. You got a man's eye taking in an explosion that slowly dissolves into raindrops forming a puddle, fire curling up in slow motion. We have these giant wide shot landscapes taken from a drone. I'm, wor- I'm worried about two things. I'm worried about two things. Number one, did David Lynch just do it better in Twin Peaks that, that last season? number one number (laughs) two (laughs) number two if this is like terrence malick imagery of everything he might blow up and then it's a crazy-eyed man working on blowing up shit to a tiktok (laughs) of the clock original score like how's how is that a hit is that is that a hit do you think that's a hit i don't know i don't know the answer to that uh i I, nolan seems to think it is I don't. I have questions about this in terms of its Oscars potential that a lot of people seem to just be chalking it up to. But I mean, Killian Murphy looks like he's. He, I can understand the hype for Killian Murphy being a uh, uh, touted as a lead actor nominee here. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the trailer, I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon, but we have no choice. And he's like this guy that's perpetually on edge and this tortured soul. It's like what have what danger half we wrought maybe we were the real monsters after all that trope that uh, he looks <laughs> we love talking about he looks like he's on a diet of coffee and cigarettes and yeah no other nutrition yeah whatsoever yeah, he's been doing nothing but mainlining <laughs> cocaine and coca-cola for the last three months oh, there God. uh I, I did some research tweeted about this it's worth noting for everyone who is in a rush to proclaim murphy as a lock for lead actor though in these way too early oscar uh, predictions this is going to be nolan's 12th feature-length film in his previous 11 films combined he's managed to have exactly one one actor be nominated in any acting category, and all it took for that to happen was the impossible task of Heath Ledger outdoing Jack's Joker, yeah, uh, and then obviously getting the posthumous win as uh, Heath Ledger did and deserved there. But just for a list of names not nominated for any acting categories from Christopher Nolan projects over the years: Guy Pierce, Joey Pantoliano, and Memento, Pacino, Nor Robin Williams, and in Insomnia, Hugh Jackman uh, in The Prestige, Christian Bale in The Prestige, and then playing Bruce Wayne in three Nolan flicks: No Leo, No McConaughey, uh, No Tom Hardy, No John David Washington, or Robert Pattinson. Yeah. This also brings up, by the way, that like Christopher Nolan has a lot of men leading his movies and no women ever, which I realized and didn't realize before I started this endeavor. So just wanted to bring those two things up. Well, I definitely co-signed the second part. Like That's kind of silly at this point. But yeah. uh, we also have a lot of his movies coming out in non-Oscary frames, I would say, at least most of them, correct? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's, the summer, yeah. maybe that's an issue. Maybe times are changing now where we could, uh, you know, we can have campaigns for actors coming out of different parts of the year obviously three out of the four one from a march movie last year so maybe maybe the uh windows are broken now all across the board uh i still can't believe branagh didn't win for saying home <laughs> home <laughs> home and then tearing up uh but uh you've convinced me of the opposite with what you just said though michael because nolan only gets the most famous famous villains of humans history nominated 
and this is about Oppenheimer. So you you actually convinced me of the opposite by accident. So the guy who made the nuclear bomb is due, or the atomic bomb is due? It's a cinch. <laughs> As a pundit, I have to tell you that he is getting nominated and he's winning right. an Oscar because... <laughs> Of the stats you just gave. Uh, it is a biopic, as somebody on Twitter pointed out, and there's a better chance for that, obviously, and it's a it's a well-taken thing. And the hopes are high for this one. I have high hopes as well, and I obviously, we will be watching this. We will be reviewing it. Uh, and, yeah, we can't wait. Uh, that's going to be a double feature we probably have to do together, right? The, the Barbie Oppenheimer. That Barbie, yeah, probably. Yeah, so that, that'll that be fun. Uh, anyway, the Universal Slate continues into the sun, summer. We have a Judd Apatow-produced or produced mm-hmm. untitled please don't destroy film why they don't just entitle it please don't destroy no matter what it's about i don't know but those are is- the highlights of snl every week the digital shorts the please don't destroy shorts i don't know how those are going to do over a 90 minute runtime <laughs> i don't know either august 18th is seems like a fun release date for it though that's kind of when i'm in yeah. the mood to, to super see bad range there yeah. yeah a dirty comedy i guess mm-hmm. uh and you're right i've been watching more snl lately i don't know if you've done this to me or or, or what but it, it has been very funny the quint it's quinta, been good yeah the quinta episode was hilarious great really it was good. she i mean she should do she should just be on every week i was dying i was dying the whole episode you all want some cocaine the fifth or sixth <laughs> skit might have been just as funny as the first which i was surprised about usually it's a law of diminishing returns agree so. yep agree Totally agree. We have an untitled The Exorcist film, mm. Michael. This, this is slated from Universal for October 13th, also, of course, from Blumhouse. Yeah, and if I know David Gordon Green like I think I do, I think there's a pretty good chance this one might be titled The Exorcist. <laughs> uh, he, of course, is the director of this, as he was for the recent Halloween trilogy. Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair are both returning to reprise their roles as Chris and Reagan McNeil from the original, and IMDb says that this will be a direct sequel to the 1973 original, and as if, as if things were not bleak enough for having The Exorcist and bringing back the original cast, and Dowd is joining the cast for this as well. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so that's that's a draw, but does The Exorcist have Russell Crowe on a Vespa? No? I don't, I don't know. So. Maybe. Maybe it's all a crossover. Red flag. It's a red flag. That's all I'm saying. This genre may have passed the OG by. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Passed him by on a Vespa. There it is. All right. Uh, <laughs> Trolls Band Together from Universal on November 17th. This is animated. Mike, they're going to defeat the bad guys with song. What if they don't this time and the bad guys just kill all the trolls? (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. I really do. Migration is another animated film from Universal coming out Christmas time on the 22nd of uh, December. Yeah, prime release date for another animated movie there. Uh, Illumination is behind this one as well. Illumination is the home studio of the Minions and the Despicable Me franchises, so they know how to make adorable cartoon characters that print cash. Uh, This movie is also about ducklings convincing their father to go on vacation, and it's penned by Mike White, a.k.a. Mr. White Lotus himself. So did the White Lotus theme song get stuck in all of your heads too just now, audience? (laughs) Does your mind's eye now see a grown man pooping into a suitcase? You do? I'm sure migration's going to be I hope that doesn't happen in the uh, in the show at all. <laughs> You're just bringing that up. In migration? Oh, oh in, no, the, in White the White Lotus. Lotus. Oh, you haven't watched it yet. No, I have not watched it. No, I have not. The, 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 there's a poop in a suitcase. 
You don't say. All right. It's a big, big, <laughs> big part of the season one. I still got to watch season two. I'm really mad that uh, award season spoiled it. It's for so me. weird how that, like, that being considered a spoiler has the diametrically opposite effect on both of us. Like, you don't want to watch it because you you found that out, and I want to watch it more because I know that now. It's 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 really working on me because I I'm running out of shows because I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. Like I'm, I got two episodes of Abbott Elementary left, and I'm I'm either gonna finish Severance or I'm gonna start White Lotus season two. I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. You know, Married with Children's on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Maybe I lo- I loved Married with Children back in the day. Anyway, uh, Universal has. More on its slate because Universal controls Focus Features, and they mm-hmm. released a thousand and one last week. This is a Sundance Award winner of the Narrative Grand Jury Prize. Av Rockwell is the writer director. Tiana Taylor's performance is incredible. I love the screenplay at Sundance. I love the performance there as well. I reviewed it B plus eighty eight all day, which is why you're saying I'm giving out a lot of B pluses because I have. Yeah, and have. Uh, this was one of the first ones of the year for me. One point seven million from 926 theaters in its first weekend. Is that good for 1001? You've studied the box office a little more than me. What do you think? I would need to know the uh, the per theater breakdown. If you uh, could fill this. It was hundreds. It was, it was hundreds. It was like 700 a, 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 a theater kind of thing. I don't think we're that's talking, great. I mean, 1.7 million divided by 926 is 1835. That's almost two grand a theater but you're saying it was it was less than that by what you saw is that a screen average that that box office mojos give, gives maybe i don't know I, I i did not dive into the weeds on this one ever since i made fun of you for calling it star wars or, or uh, star stars war <laughs> ever since you said stars war i cannot get a plurality correct about a title <laughs> anywhere a thousands and ones I, I can't do it. I just, I'm screwing up every one. I sound like Medea. <laughs> and, That's what I've said about you. And my grandmother. I sound like my grandmother and Medea in every single, in every single episode now. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, Asteroid Cities or Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. <laughs> you got, you know, all the white cast members in this movie Again. as well. <laughs> and Jeffrey Wright. So uh, so th- we got a we got a trailer though for Ast- Asteroid City. What did you think? All right, my first thought is get Jeffrey Wright his Oscar nomination for his Wes Anderson movie already. He mm-hmm. should have had it last time uh, for the French Dispatch. My second thought was I I wanted Adam Sandler in this movie. Like I Jason Schwartzman, that character should be played by Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And I know Schwartzman is one of Wes Anderson's boys, but. I think this movie would have more legs or at least be more exciting if Adam Sandler was in that role and maybe be taken more seriously as an Oscar contender. And what are the what are the odds that you could have said that about Adam Sandler switching places with Jason Schwartzman in a Wes Anderson movie like 10 years ago? You couldn't. You realize that in a Wes Anderson movie, nobody's allowed to raise their voice above (laughs) or below the current octave I am in because of the deadpan comedy. So I get it. <laughs> that's not exactly the Sandman's bag, is it? No, I mean, it's not. I get it. I, you're right. But you can't tell me it wouldn't be interesting. Like, your your interest wouldn't be piqued if that was Adam Sandler in that role. I'd be piqued. You're not going to tell me I'm not going to enjoy a Sandman 
Batman movie, right. uh, especially if it's directed by Wes Anderson. But uh, this is one of your film broiest statements ever. I don't, I don't like how. No, 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 no. It's highbrow now because he's being taken so seriously as an actor these days. That's right. Well, let me give you a film bro retort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think like I'm highbrowing you. No, because Schwartzman also sits at the diner with Anderson and his cousin Coppola to help Wes write all of these movies, right? And and you want to replace another Italian actor with... <laughs> and, and this particular Italian actor, who's Adrian Balboa's actual son, mm-hmm. with the Sandman. You, you, what the hell are we doing? Are you telling me Adam Sandler's not Italian? Is that where you're going with this? I don't think he is. He has to be. How dare you? I think he's Jewish, man. I'm pretty yeah, sure. you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't think he's Italian. I, but... <laughs> I mean, not again. He I is just... of Russian Jewish descent, according to IMDb. Okay, there you go. Anyway, I love uh, I love me some Schwartz, Magician Schwartzman, and I love it all the more now. Famously that I know... Jewish, by the way. Now that I think about it, all those Hanukkah songs he released over the years. Yeah, famously, yeah. famously. All right, so. all right. I'm gonna well... tell you what, Mike. That's my bad. <laughs> okay, good. I won. I won a. I won of uh, a fake argument. <laughs> The Holdovers, the fun is over. The Holdovers. This is coming out November 10th uh, of the year. Alexander Payne is the director and the writer, of course, of Sideways. Uh, The Descendant, Nebraska. Paul Giamatti is starring alongside Divine Joy Randolph. Nobody likes teacher Paul Hunman. Uh, played by Giamatti, not his students, not his fellow faculty, not the headmaster, who all find his pomposity and rigidity exasperating. With no family and nowhere to go over Christmas holiday in 1970, Paul remains at school to supervise students unable to journey home. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Troublemaking 15-year-old named Angus, a good student whose bad behavior always threatens to get him expelled. Joining Paul and Angus as a head cook. What the hell kind of synopsis is this? Uh, These three very different shipwrecked people form an unlikely Christmas family sharing comic misadventures during their two... All right, so it's it's like a layover during the Christmas vacation at a college boarding school whatever it is maybe the real real family was the friends we made along the way it sounds like yeah now i've heard about pundits who uh talk about secret screenings for the studio executives especially at focus features who acquired this at previous film festivals the holdovers had like a bidding war you always got to pay attention to those bidding wars because they will throw your 100% accurate pick very <laughs> off. Don't worry, darling, being a famous example. But, uh-huh. of course, you know, we introed the movie because Rose McGowan accused Alexander Payne of sexual misconduct years ago. Uh, yeah. He denied it. She gave a very powerful response. We need you to put it into some context here for us. Mike. Yeah, just as means as recap and maybe some, hopefully some context. We'll see how I do here. But Rose McGowan's accusation came out mid-pandemic, August 2020, uh, with Payne's response and denial coming days later. McGowan then going over the top and saying, uh, essentially, quote, fuck Payne and his lies, and that she wants to now destroy his career as a result of her only originally wanting an apology from him and him giving a staunch denial of everything she she claimed happened happening. Right. Uh, 
I'll be honest, Mike, this story completely missed me in the pandemic. I never heard about this until uh, you put it in the doc for for purposes of uh, previewing this movie and research. And I think part of the reason it may have missed me has been Payne's distance from the limelight for quite some time now. He hasn't directed anything, film, TV, or otherwise, since the box office flop downsizing came out holiday 2017. I would think this may be part of a reason why. I mean... There's obviously no reason to doubt McGowan's claim, though, again, the crux of the issue and the conflict between the two of them, the he said, she said of it all, seems to be conflicting timelines. Now, if you want to know more about that and dive into the weeds of what happened there, you can find all these accounts easily enough online. Uh, We're talking about the movie here. Mm -hmm. As for Payne and this film, I think the delay from returning to theaters for him has to at least be in part due to this and this looming cloud hanging over his eventual return. And when he does return, uh, like you have put here in the doc as well, Mike, I don't know how this doesn't come up. Right. I mean, everything Rose McGowan has said has become such front page news, it seems, since the Me Too movement started. I would think for this guy who has not made anything since this accusation hit the, the, the front page of news and websites and tabloids that he would have to answer questions about it along the way here. But then again, downsizing kind of fixed that problem. Uh, not that it was a problem then, but, but you know, Payne wasn't put at the forefront of any of these conversations because downsizing, which was supposed to be an awards player, kind of fell flat on its face in the same way that David O. Russell, his transgressions never really got that detailed and that deep of a discussion over and over again last year because Amsterdam, which was supposed to be an awards player, fell flat on its face. So if this movie, if, if the holdovers doesn't do what it's expected to do and falls flat on its face, then maybe we end up not having these discussions like we didn't really for David or Russell last year. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know how good the movie is, obviously. If, if, it, if there's a bidding war, what does that mean these days? Mm-hmm. Like, like we've learned the hard way. Uh, but Rose McGowan has been vindicated. She has been proven Absolutely. so right over the years about Absolutely. claims. I don't think she makes these lightly. I mean, she is, she has suffered and 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 gone through the ringer more than anybody mm-hmm. to to get to the point where she's, uh, she's she's making these claims. So the fact that she wanted to make a right uh, or make a wrong right. Uh, after she was abused as a kid. I mean, she she came out, she came out and I mean, she said this all happened when she was 15 and she came out and said, I'm not looking to ruin his career. I just want an apology from him. And then he issued a flat denial of everything. And that's when she was like, oh, okay, fuck you. I'm going to ruin your career. Right, right. There's been, I I mean, I, not that I've, again, I, this was all new to me. So I was just cursory giving this research uh, in not enough time and not enough depth to it because I didn't know about it. But just for preparation of this episode, I don't know that there's been anything about it since. Yeah, uh, how does 2020, this not come fall up? of 2020? And, yeah. and it gets even worse, Mike, because this is going to be about a movie about a guy who's hanging out with kids over the Christmas break, mm-hmm. about an older yeah. teacher hanging out with younger children, and he's being accused of what now? How does this not rain all over this movie, that looming cloud? I mean, I'll Christ tell you what, and, and, and doing research, and McGowan had another quote that was essentially, you know, Pay attention because all these people in Hollywood tell you who they are through their movies. They do. Woody Allen made a movie about a pedophile. Right. right. What was he and, accused I mean, who, of? Who would know? Right. Who would know more <laughs> firsthand than Rose McGowan? That that's true. Like the point Christ. you're making. So yeah. I, again, I I don't know how it doesn't come up, 
Uh, and the only way I, I think that you can avoid it completely is if the movie falls flat on its face, because right. then there's a lack of interest to talk about anything having to do with the director. So yeah, the late uh, 80s and early 90s of Woody Allen's career, how many getting away with murder plots did he Right, make? right. Right. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's absolutely right. Uh, that's that's inc- that, that is incisive. Oh, dear God. It, it just dawns on you. It just yeah. dawns on you. Uh, anyway, we will try to move on uh, to some lighter fare here because Focus Features has a comedy, a horror comedy written by Diablo Cody starring Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse called Lisa Frankenstein. And listen to this premise. In 1989, an unpopular high school girl named Lisa accidentally reanimates a handsome Victorian corpse during a lightning storm and starts to rebuild him in the, into the man of her her dreams by using the broken tanning bed in her garage say it with me hollywood keeps making the same films <laughs> over and over again i almost bought the bride of frankenstein funko pop 74 times this weekend why don't i just buy it i just should yeah, just buy it. i mean well i think we all know you're going to now it's 18 dollars. <laughs> do i just buy it i guess i just buy it mm-hmm. anyway I'm, I'm getting a youtube background together uh, but uh, that's going to be <laughs> whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? I always was a collector in my life, but like this is silly. This is getting silly. Like I here's my thing. My niece was over the house. I'm like, do I give her the Monsters Inc. Boo Funko Pop? Nope. <laughs> nope. Hey, that's like Uncle Mike's. That's Uncle Mike's Dolly. <laughs> of course it is. Do I give her the E.T. and Elliot one? <laughs> I'm going to have to buy some extras for her. I am a bad person. Let's move on to Neon, the studio of Parasite, Itania, Flea, and Triangle of Sadness. Neon has already released Infinity Pool from Brandon Cronenberg, Mia Goth, Alexander Skarsgård, which I enjoyed more than I thought I would. You pervert. Uh, We have How to to Blow Up a Pipeline, starring Lucas Gage and Sasha Lane. It's coming soon, April 7th. A crew of environmental activists plot a daring plan to disrupt an oil pipeline. Infinity Pool was sexy. Uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline is probably not sexy. Uh, And How to Blow Up a Pipeline, question mark? I'm guessing a bomb. Mm, Probably a safe guess. Probably Um, a bomb. Yeah, and nothing relatable going on in this movie whatsoever to anything current in the political landscape <laughs> yeah, in the last yeah. couple of years so that's good uh mm-hmm. daniel goldhaber i don't know if that's how you pronounce it apologies if it's not he's the director of this movie he did the bizarre horror movie cam a few years ago for netflix which i mean if you want to talk about a niche premise hmm. it, it, it was it's an interesting watch it it unfortunately falls into the realm of too many horror movies do where it's got a a really cool premise and an interesting premise that hooks you but a rough landing but okay. regardless, there's no doubt that there's some directorial greatness in there. So I, I, he has shown his chops, and I am curious to see how he can tell this story that's kind of, I, I would assume, parody or retell what's been going on in the news uh, with pipelines and uh, sacred land and explosions the last few years. Yeah, I've heard some good reviews, early early reactions thus far for how to blow up a pipeline, so I'm interested. Uh, undated from Neon, we have... Cuckoo, starring Dan Stevens, Jessica, Jessica Hardwick, and the still that's been going around has Hunter Schaefer in a very uh, dramatic pose there. So Cuckoo might be something to look out for. And another film is It Lives Inside. An Indian-American teenager struggling with her cultural identity has a falling out with her former best friend and in the process... This always happens. Mm. Unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness. I'm in for that. 
Cool. That's an intriguing premise. That's a the Babadook with a purpose. <laughs> well, the Babadook had a purpose. I no? know. I didn't mind the ba- I was let down by the Babadook when I watched it. Oh, were movie. you? Just being honest, yeah. Oh, I did. You it know was what? good. You got to get in before the hype. Exactly. That is exactly it. The you hype got, killed it for me. Here's why we may just have to pivot and actually get accredited for everything. Because we could. <laughs> Jesus. We're just belligerent idiots not to. But, like, you got to get in before the hype. Because otherwise, you don't want it. You 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 are. But then our reviews would lose all that standard Mike One charm. <laughs> Excuse me, I almost choked and died from dramatic irony. <laughs> Tell me about the actor, Michael. <laughs> Gemma Chan, Toby Jones, Simon McBurney, Tracy Ullman, Andre Holland, and not Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Remember yes. that. Yes. The actor has a premise that reads, when New York actor Paul Cole is beaten and left for dead in 1950s Ohio, he loses his memory and finds himself stranded in a mysterious small town where he struggles to get back home and reclaim what he's lost. Michael, Las Vegas has been offering best lead actor odds for Ryan Gosling from The Actor for at least three years now, and he is not even <laughs> in this film. <laughs> Make sure, people, make sure you listen to this show and you do your own research before placing any bets, uh, especially on Ryan Gosling and future it's a savvy. Projects. It's a savvy Vegas move to, <laughs> to be willing to take money on a bet that's, uh, that doesn't exist, really. What if Toby Jones is Ryan Gosling? Like, What if they're one and the same person? And if that's true, which would be more entertaining, if Toby Jones was cosplaying as Ryan Gosling the whole time or if Ryan Gosling was to- cosplaying as Toby Jones? Oh my God! <laughs> right? Uh, who who gets the credit? Talk about a thought experiment. That's what I, like who? Wh- which would be more entertaining to know was the real man at all times? That's a Russian doll of Oscar <laughs> speculative genius. Barbarian Sound Studio starring Ryan Gosling. You rarely hit on issues that tickle my fancy, but you got me right there. We'll talk about long legs. Uh, Maika Monroe, Nicolas Cage is a, another horror film written and directed by Oz Perkins, who did Gretel and Hansel and the Black Coat's daughter. Lee Harker, a talented new FBI agent, has been assigned to an unsolved case of a serial killer. As the investigation becomes more complicated and occult evidence is uncovered, Harker realizes a personal link to the ruthless killer and must act quickly to prevent another family murder. And I just described Along Came a Spider, didn't I? Uh, I wish you did. <laughs> Here's the thing about Along Came a Spider. It was the greatest book I ever read when I was 14 years old. Oh, really? It was like the craziest murder mystery, sick in the head, serial killer tale that I just picked up off the paperback. And I read in secret. And it took me only two nights. I think I was like a freshman in high school. And the movie was coming out the year later because it, it, it was a sophomore in high school movie watch for me. And then I was so disappointed to watch <laughs> the actual movie with Morgan Freeman. And oh, God, what a terrible movie that was. So I hope Long Legs is better than Alone Came a Spider because the Black Coat's daughter had a lot of potential to it. And even more so... Uh, we're going to talk to a, a big fan of Gretel and Hansel uh, in the upcoming weeks here, uh, in Eric Weber. And Gretel and Hansel was a wild viewing experience. So if Maika Monroe from It Follows is chasing down serial killer Nicolas Cage, who of course is from Renfield, then 
even though his long legs are not that long, they're normal size, I'm still in. <laughs> well, I mean, look, this could be the uh, the hidden prequel to A Long Game of Spider, right? And they're giving us a hint with the name, the title of the movie, because A you... Long Legs is a spider. Yeah, you're right. You you're see? right. You know, the, the, the you could be a fundamentalist in another life with how literal <laughs> you read and take things. Thank you, I think. Mother's Instinct is next. Jessica Chastain, Anne Hathaway, Anders Danielson, Lee, uh, Josh Charles, and this. The friendship of two 1960s housewives rapidly deteriorates after a tragedy. So who's Oscar-winning side Chastain's. Are you on? You're on Chastain's over Hathaway's? Why is that? I, I don't know. I, I, I Anne Hathaway does for me what she does for too many people, which is make me dislike her without a reason, and it makes me a bad person. But I've never been an Anne Hathaway fan. Really? I didn't yeah. why didn't I uh know this yet? Is because this a, I don't I don't I don't really do a lot of her movies for that re- I don't know. I just don't maybe it's the the her and James Franco hosting the Oscars that I don't know what it is. She's always kind of rubbed me the that, wrong way. That wasn't her fault. I mean was, I know it wasn't. Nothing about this is her fault. This is all my fault. <laughs> I've always loved Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I don't know. I don't oh, know. Maybe don't it's an know. Andrew Garfield thing where it's just really deep down I'm jealous. Maybe it is. Jesus, we're anyway. Mother's instinct is going to have a lot more gravitas now that we're arguing about it. Because like this could be like, is this going to be like a team Edward versus the team whatever werewolf kid? And we're the only ones who participate. <laughs> team Chastain or Team Hathaway in a so squabble. Does that mean you're not a Chastain person? I don't know. I was just curious what side I'm going to fall on myself. I don't know. I like. I kind of like both Chastain and Hathaway. Okay. Truthfully. All right. I do. Yeah. I, do. I don't. I don't know why I feel. I really. It's just been one of those things. I do not know. If I ever meet her, I'd be like turned to mush. I know that. <laughs> I'd like. It's not something I have enough conviction about to actually like <laughs> stand on principle about it. <laughs> she's so cool too she's doing like all this modeling now for whatever reason like every every uh brand is is using her on film twitter it seems to like sell their clothes and she's cool in interviews like i don't know what i'm just a jerk you might be you might i I mean this is the first on mike mike and oscar mike (laughs) Mike one might be a jerk the first the first uh serious introspection of my career (laughs) <laughs> Magnolia Pictures is next. They've had some good movies over the years. Riders of Justice, John Lewis, Good Trouble, and Oscar Noms Collective, Shoplifters, The Guilty, Minding the Gaff, RBG and the Square over, over the last few years, that is. This year, I'll certainly be on the lookout for what Magnolia acquires, their big acquisition studio. I've almost bought Ruby Baby, no, Baby Ruby. The Magician's Elephant. The Elephant's Magician. I don't know which. (laughs) Baby Ruby. I've almost bought this a few times on VOD. It came out in February. That's Jon Snow being a a father of an evil child, I believe. Noemi Merlan. Anyway, I'm I'm into that. I'm going to watch that. But Magnolia announced one very uh, notable release for this spring, Michael. And it's one we've previewed for oh, at least a year now, I know. Master Gardener due out May 19th, 2023. It's a Paul Schrader film. He did, of course, First Reform, The Card Counter, a lot of Scorsese stuff back in his day. Uh, a meticulous horticulturist. Say that ten times fast right now. Meticulous horticulturist, meticulous horticulturist. Oh, meti- I can't do it. Good job by you. you. You got yeah. through it twice. Yeah. Uh, a meticulous horticulturist who is devoted to tending the grounds of a beautiful estate and pandering to his employer, the wealthy dowager. 
Uh, you, you don't have to listen to me when I give you a linguistic exercise. <laughs> you did, though. <laughs> give me credit. Damn it. Who changed the prompter? You know Ron's only going to read what's on the screen. Uh, Joel Edgerton, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Quintessa Swindell of Black Adam and Voyagers are in Master Gardener. I know we've been previewing this one for a while because this is the one I keep saying he should make the uh, he should make the movie about the guy who owns the bait shop and call it Master Bader's joke for Ooh. at least a year. Yeah, you did make that joke yeah. for a while. Uh, anyway, you know, the the, the deep inter- introspection continues, folks. <laughs> uh, what do you know? A story about a man who has a haunted past, written by yeah. Paul, Paul Schrader. Go uh, figure. I saw this film back at last year's New York Film Festival. and That's why we've been talking about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's all kinds of troubling. Uh, troubling because the characters are pieces of human garbage, Okay. Uh, let's just be honest. They're terrible, terrible fake people. And clearly Schrader is working through some stuff here. Now, the performances are good. The story does weave and wind, and it keeps me very interested. I learned about gardening, which I've also learned about on Abbott Elementary recently. Mm-hmm. And all of that's good. It's still kind of a tough set because this is like out of nowhere – you know, he's a former white supremacist, undercover killer, murderer, assassin, whatever the hell. Well, so are we. No. <laughs> you missed what I said in there. White supremacy. Jesus. Um, you jokey jokes. What former white supremacist, murderer, assassin. Yeah, that's, that's the Mike story. <laughs> Two out of three of those. Yeah. Uh, speaking of tough sets. For whatever reason, I, I went back recently and watched the old, uh, from a couple of years ago, the Hollywood Reporter Screenwriters Roundtable, where Schrader was in there, and so was Bo Burnham. I think Jordan Peele was. I can't remember. A couple other people. But there was, like, some uncomfortable moments between Schrader and Bo Burnham. Really? And Why? I, I, you could you, tell Paul Schrader, I mean, Bo, Bo Burnham was doing, like, the, the ultra-liberal thing and talking about the, the elephants in the room with, like, you know, the... Uh, representation issues and you know too many women too many what too many not not enough women too many white men and etc etc and And paul schrader was writing master gardener yeah it seemed like he was yeah (laughs) it seemed like he he took issue with like you know it was the standard your generation worries too much about that kind of stuff stance and it was just i don't know the tension you could just definitely tell the tension was there between the two of them it was it was an interesting facet wow yeah, I did not love this movie. I'm trying to be polite. Okay. This is a preview movie, preview episode, and every 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 movie's going to win an Oscar, mm-hmm. as we've we've been over. Naturally. But I, I, I didn't I didn't like Master Garden. All right, I just got to be honest. And I like Magnolia. I like Magnolia. Didn't like did not like that movie. Uh, we'll move on to Bleecker did Street. Did not care for the Godfather. Go ahead. <laughs> Bleecker Street uh, already released a film, Michael, that I need you to set me up because I have things to say again. Emily. Emily imagines the transformative, exhilarating, and uplifting journey to womanhood of a rebel and a misfit, one of the world's most famous, enigmatic, and provocative writers who died too soon at age 30. Emily stars Emma Mackey and Fionn Whitehead. All right, I'm coming, coming for an old Fifi property here. Okay. You ready? You're coming Usually. For Usually, I'm on the side of the old Fifi's, but yes. I hated Heathcliff with all my soul. <laughs> he is such a piece of just human waste. <laughs> what a terrible, 
terrible character Heathcliff was from Wuthering Heights. Lawrence Olivier played the worst person ever. I hated this man. Finally a Fifi film classic. I cannot get behind. I've been watching all of my mom's favorite movies and favorite stories. I don't think this was particularly a favorite of hers, but I watched Wuthering Heights because I was going to see Emily in theaters because it's about the writer, Emily Bronte. So... Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch this movie, I guess. Emma Mackey just won the E.E. Rising Star at the BAFTAs. She's great in Sex Education, the show on Netflix. You love that and show, yeah. Yeah, her her star is certainly on the rise there. She won that award for a reason. I want to see her in Emily. She's going to be in Barbie. I am so mad at the source material now because I watched <laughs> the 1940-something whatever movie. It was so bad, Mike. I rarely raged against an Oscar winner like you raged against Avatar The Way of Water <laughs> on the same level. But I did that for Wuthering Heights. Well, I now it. I have to watch Wuthering Heights and become a huge fan of it. <laughs> and you, constantly bring up how great it is and how you just don't understand it, man. <laughs> the parasite beef goes goes far, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Mafia Mama is on Bleecker Street's uh, uh, upcoming offerings as well. Tony Collette and Monica Bellucci in this, an American mom inherits her grandfather's mafia empire in Italy. Guided by the firm's consigliere, she hilariously defies everyone's expectations as the new head of the family business. All right. A, don't put hilariously in your plot premise. Why? Because the trailer sucks. Oh, it's I did not know there was a trailer for this. Okay. The, look, it, it. this trailer makes me doubt my heritage, <laughs> number one. My love of Tony Collette, number two. Oh, no. And my recent Chris Pratt level of anger <laughs> at him. Because she is awful in this oh, trailer. No. Like, I'm, I'm, like, even the old people that are sitting next to me in the theaters are raging against Mafia Ma Ma Mama. They're just, like, mad at it. So, so I don't this, know. This is, is this supposed to be, like, a slapstick? What is, what's going on here? It, it's supposed to be a comedy, and she's just, like, a normal, I guess, lady who goes mm. to and learns she's in charge of the Mafia. Uh, and it really is And then she slips a on trailer. a banana peel. It's a bad <laughs> trailer. Now, is the movie bad? I don't know. I will watch Tony Collette and Monica Bellucci and anything. I'm probably not going to see this in theaters because of the bad trailer, but I may. You're going to see this in theaters. I'll probably watch it when it comes. No, I don't want to see this in theaters. This is like, this is one of my vetoes. I get the veto like three movies a year, right? You're going to pay money for this on PVOD instead of seeing it on A-List for free? No, I'm going to wait until it comes on oh, one of the wait, services. Wait. You're going to wait like wait, I wait. wait. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm going to really wait, wait. I'm going to wait till it comes and I can just click on it. And I think it's for free, but I'm actually paying a you pay monthly six subscription. Bucks. Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> Heard you loud and clear, buddy. <laughs> the Starling Girl stars Eliza Scanlon. And this is a movie I can get into because 17-year-old uh, Jem Starling struggles with her place within her Christian fund fundamentalist community. But everything changes when her magnetic youth pastor Owen returns to their church. The Starling Girl got a great uh, reception at Sundance, I would say. 80 Metascore, 94 Rotten Tomato score right now on 31 Reviews. Uh, there's some sinister undertones to that I could see yeah. happening too. I have no idea if they're true, knowing nothing about the movie. But yeah, it's a it's at least a premise I can get behind. 
I got some baggage in the church. Mm-hmm. Maybe this will help me, or maybe it'll bring it all back up, but probably going to see the Starling Girl. One way or another, you'll feel something. The Lesson there, uh, starring Daryl McCormick. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. And Richard E. Grant, uh, the nominated uh, supporting character there from Can You Ever Forgive Me? A young author takes a tutoring position at the estate of a legendary writer. Yeah, all right. Sure. Dar- Daryl McCormick is being a protege to like all these great British thespians in every movie he's in. He just, uh, good luck to you, Leo Grand, starred in, what's her name? Oh, dear. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, not Ann Thompson. Ann Mm -hmm. Thompson is also a legendary. Also uh, wonderful, yep. Yeah, legendary voice in in our community, but uh, Emma Thompson. I confused Ann Thompson with Emma Thompson. She won't be mad. Mm -hmm. Can you ever forgive me? Richard Grant is British. Is British. (laughs) So, that works. So, uh, who's making fun of who for being literal? And their correlations that they have to put their fingers on just to give content for the listeners. Maybe we should go faster. Golda is starring Helen Mirren, focuses on the intensely dramatic and high stakes responsibilities and decisions that Golda Meir, also known as the Iron Lady of Israel, faced during the Yom Kippur War. So they released the still of Helen Mirren transformed as Gola Meyer in, in this bodysuit a year in advance. I remember seeing it a while back, wondering okay. when it was coming out. And you've highlighted this as part of the playbook for lead acting buzz. So Helen Mirren's this is winning the blueprint. an Oscar. Is, yeah, it's, I mean, this is the blueprint, right? We, we, this goes back to our conversation about Coleman Domingo uh, playing, uh, what was it, Rustin, right? Yeah. That when that when that movie was announced as being delayed to 2023 last year by Netflix, they said it's delayed. But oh, here, by the way, here's some stills of him doing it. And that's kind of when the uh, the biopic blueprint on way to a lead acting uh, nomination there for either category is that you get the stills released about 16 months in advance of the movie. Brad Pitt, uh, Brad, uh, not Brad Pitt, Brad, Bradley Cooper's done it. Tom Hanks has recently done it. Uh, like you said, Colin Rami Domingo, Malik back in the day, Kristen Stewart, Gary Oldman, now Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. All right, makes sense. Uh, we'll move on to some uh, films that have not gotten their U.S. distribution yet. Maybe they'll show up at Cannes. I, I took some of these from the Cannes Wishlist articles on IndieWire, etc. We have Trans Los Angeles, written and directed by Case Pena, starring Stephanie Beatriz. Trans Los Angeles is an anthology of four standalone short films, and their unifying theme is that they all feature a trans character in the lead, and they all take place in a different part of Los Angeles. These stories are character-driven slices of life, and they demonstrate the rich diversity within the trans community. No notes. Love that. Love the premise of that. I'm very, very much in favor of that and those stories being told. We have May-December. This is coming from Todd Haynes of, oh my God, Carol and so many great movies. Uh, uh, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore. 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple buckles under the pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, May-December. Yeah, Haynes is Mr. Oscar nomination, by the way. he la- His last movie was directing Mark Ruffalo in Dark Waters in 2019, mm. uh, which, ironically enough, didn't get nominated for any Oscars, but he's also the director of the likes of Far From Heaven, Wonderstruck, and like you said, Carol! Carol! Uh, <laughs> What's it's from the Always Sunny bit with uh, Pepe Sylvia. Where, uh, okay. Can I talk to you about the mail, Mac? I've been loving, dying to talk to you all day about the mail. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Go I'm knock glad on the door, you... Carol! Carol! 
glad you tarnished the legacy of a, of a, of a great film. And I'll do <laughs> it again. Uh, starting with his second film, Velvet Goldmine, which is the movie that has yeah. the poster of Robert Pattinson, who time traveled back to 1998 and told everyone he was actually Ewan McGregor. Oh, it's an inside joke from years ago, but nonetheless, that's no, what that no, no, no. Hold on, this mm-hmm. is an inside joke with the fact that you need glasses. No, need Mike, a... that's Robert Pattinson on that poster. You need to update your. Have you seen that poster? Yes. You look it up right now. Tell me that's this not is, Robert Pattinson. This is John Cena versus what's his name no. again? All no, over. No, it's not. It's not even close to that. It's not even close to that. That that. That poster is of Robert Pattinson, who time traveled back to 1998. I, I know exactly the poster you're talking about. I've seen the film, and you're telling me you and McGregor and Robert Pattinson look like. No, I'm telling you, it's Robert Pattinson on that poster. Is what I'm telling you. I could give a fuck what you and McGregor looks like. He was like seven years old. Yeah, that movie that's why out. he time traveled. Have you not been listening to what I've been saying? Uh, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. Anyway, um, <laughs> for Haynes CV from Velvet Goldmine in 1998 through Carol in 2015, that's a time frame covering four feature films, a TV series, a TV miniseries, and a made-for-TV movie. Everything Haynes directed in that time frame was nominated at least once for whatever the prestige in that realm was. If it was a movie, it was nominated for at least one Oscar. If it was a TV or made-for-TV movie, it was nominated for at least one Emmy. Wow. So May, December, we'll have to look for who picks that one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Haynes has been knocking on the door for a while with a lot of his films. We also have Lee. Lee is starring Andrea Riseborough, Kate Winslet, Alexander Skarsgård, Andy Samberg, Marion Cotillard, Noemi Merlant, Josh O'Connor, directed by Ellen Carras, longtime cinema, cinematographer of Eternal Sunshine and The Spotless Mind. Away we go, Jane. And Lee is the story of photographer Elizabeth Lee Miller, a fashion model who became an acclaimed war correspondent for Vogue magazine during World War II. Well, I know I speak for both of us when I say we can only... Hope and pray that longtime industry veteran Andrew Riseborough finally gets her well overdue recognition and accompanying what? Oscar nomination for the. Uh, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Too Leslie. What do you think is going to be the response of Hollywood to an Andrea Riseborough contending performance? The next one. Do you think it's going to be positive or negative? Do you think it's going to be some blowback? Do you think they're going to be like, wait a minute, we can't, you know, or. Do you think they're, like, rushing to dominate her again? What, what do you think that is? It's an interesting question. I my, my gut reaction is to say that since 2 Leslie, like, yes, it disrupted the nomination, but then there was that was it. It didn't really make any noise afterwards. There was never really a threat to win at the Oscars. They that people purposefully were just... backed off, right? Didn't you feel that? Because she didn't show up to the luncheon, and you know you have to show up to the luncheon. No, that I feel. I mean, I, she didn't, you know... I mean, it was such a two-horse race from forever, despite right. what Kate Blanchett feels about the horse race aspect, that I don't know that she ever really, you know, was in the conversation to win. I could see people... I, I think it'll just go down as like a random, you know, Oscars Jeopardy trivia, more so than it'll be something that impacts Andrea Riseborough's next great film. At so least that's my take thing. on it. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a nothing, is what I think. Okay. I mean, I could be completely wrong, and maybe it will be held against her. I don't know. So I feel like she's been knocking on the door for a while. Yeah. With a lot of good performances well, that's, and a lot and that, of small It's movies. for that exact reason that this happened, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I just wonder if it's if it's just smell. If it's a bad could, smell or a good does. smell. Maybe it does. I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, how does Andrea Riseborough smell <laughs> you guys? <laughs> what we're getting? Punchy. What is the scent of Riseborough? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. One life, one life will star Anthony Hopkins, Helena Bonham Carter, Lena Oling, uh, Johnny Flynn, and Jonathan Price. One life has a premise that reads follow, follows British humanitarian. Oh boy, yeah boy, follows British humanitarian. What was it? The meticulous horticulturist. The meticulous horticulturist <laughs> follows British humanitarian Nicholas Winton, who helped save hundreds of children from the Nazis on the eve of World War II. Wow, one life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's heavy, and, and a different type of heavy is the one we'll finish up with. Firebrand, Alicia Vikander, Jude Law, Eddie Marzen uh, follows Queen Catherine Parr and Henry VIII's marriage, which could be... Uh, very dramatic as well as an offering there. And we end on those back-to-back biopics, big names attached to each Oscar winners attached to each of those in one life with Hopkins and firebrand serious uh, content and stories attached to each of those and biopics there. I would think those two, as well as anything we talked about here at the end, I don't think there's going to be trouble with any of these finding distributors as the festival season rolls on here. I hope so. And I'm going to also look out for Hirokazu Karita's next film, getting picked up called yes. monster i don't know anything else about it uh our apprenticeship will be from ryosuke hamaguchi he of course is the oscar nominated director from drive mm-hmm. my car and we have and from yorgos lanthimos <laughs> that's the movie's title uh the lobster the favorite obviously he's he's someone we've talked about with poor things in a previous episode here it's rumored that either and or poor things will be bumped to 2024 because you don't want to double yorgos in the same award season they have to change the title of and by the way they ha- yeah, you have to i can't i can't do a google search of and um mm. I saw a still recently of Poor Things, or at least it's supposedly from Poor Things, uh, from one of the accounts on online. I'm, I, I apologize. I think it was on Instagram somewhere, uh, hmm. which makes me think that th- that might be almost done with its production. So I would think if one's going to move, it might be and because that needs to change its title. <laughs> and it needs a distributor, as we've seen. Mm. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, but, yeah, there's a bunch of movies that are going to show up. But we, we take five episodes to give you guys all the pictures. And then new movies come out. <laughs> Get announced. Secretly filmed during the pandemic. You know, all this always happens. But th- this is this is us trying to get you guys ahead of the, ahead of the curve. Yeah, we'll give you a little... Uh poo-poo platter sampling of what's coming up in the Mike, Mike, and Oscar year to come, leading up to, eventually, our 100% uh, way too early, but it won't be that early by the time we get to them, Oscar's picks. <laughs> so, uh, we're looking forward to that on the horizon here, but uh, we do have more to come with our is it going to be our last new movie offering, last studio offering Friday, Mike? I think so. We're, we've saved Netflix. Uh, we've saved it for our buddy. We're recording it Friday night to talk about Netflix's slate and also to talk about all the news kind of circling I would say yeah this uh this Oscar theatrical requirement expansion maybe they expand the rules as Matt Bellany and company have talked about uh in terms of the the Oscars doubling down on the theatrical requirement which would essentially expand the number of markets a movie has to play in it can't just be two of the six major markets it's got to be like 15 of them I wonder, Netflix is going to be coming close to a come-to-Jesus moment, I think. If Apple and everything else is so serious about doing theatrical first. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely they are. 
So yeah. why uh, wouldn't I, you, if you have to release a movie in 15 markets, why wouldn't you just just get a, the money you can from it? And yeah, release just it everywhere? Give, it a, yeah. give it a everywhere wide release. I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, you're kind of really put put pressure on them. And then I wonder if we're going to be talking about Netflix buying theaters in every major city, which will be the complete antithesis of what they were originally intending to do. Huh. So, so that way they can keep 100% of the profit. So, I don't know. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about. We will be talking about that with our buddy Andrew, uh, hopefully this Friday. Uh, at least that's scheduled, and we know how our scheduled guest dates seem to go. So, just uh, be warned. Life could right. happen. Oh, I just jinxed this. I just jinxed this. Damn it. Um, Otherwise, as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts. We want to know what you think about this smattering of offerings that we had from Universal Focus, Neon, the uh, as yet unsold pictures, etc. Uh, let us know which ones you are looking forward to most and which ones you think have the most Oscars legs. As well, as always, you can leave us any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social media. As we are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, I on wish Netflix. on, on Netflix. Facebook, <laughs> on Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> At MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us five stars for a review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, we have uh, previewed what's coming next. Let's have some words of wisdom as well. It is wise to be a fan of the Connecticut Huskies basketball Damn program right. as we've won our fifth. Men's National Championship. Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. <laughs> Life is glorious. Uh, so we got one studio left. That's what's coming next. You guys have already heard it from me, and yeah, I'm excited. Uh, this, this, but look, this, uh, this series is gonna bring more friends to the table. We're gonna do the box office futures episode. Knock on wood. We're gonna do the uh, top five or top ten feared films with swell episode. Mm-hmm. Again, knock on wood. I'm reverse jinxing everything mm-hmm. now. Yep. trying and then um eventually we'll make those picks like you said and just so you guys know we have a master doc for uh the pictures which is just for the studios that we're working off of uh <laughs> it's not finished yet and it is of right now 37 pages 37 pages swell is going to make fun of me yes yes she, she is going to make fun of me this is a longer doc than we usually give her <laughs> when reality sucks you could have a longer doc than usual with us uh, we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round congratulations to your 2023 national champion yukon huskies <laughs> see you again.